Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Dan Orlowski did the thing. He did the thing. He put together the list. It's a crazy list. And now we're all talking about it. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call in line. 888-CESPN, 888-729-3776. So Dan Orlowski put together a list ranking all 14 of the starting signal callers going into the postseason here, Joe. Now, he said that he based his list on how these quarterbacks are playing right now. Also, on just the quarterback alone, trying to remove the quarterback himself from the strength of the team or of the coaching staff as a whole, which could not have been an easy task. But basically, he's just letting you know, this is how I would stack the quarterbacks right now based on watching each tape over the course of a season. Okay, so that's what he laid out here. Let me give you some of the little nuggets from this list. Now, let's start with number one, Patrick Mahomes. Probably not particularly controversial. Way to go, Orlovsky. Right. I'm really going out on a limb there. Rounding out the top three, we get Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. All right, nothing to see here, right? Except for, at number four, we already get to Jalen Hurts. I have a feeling that that might elicit some conversation. Lamar Jackson is sitting here at six. You've got Tom Brady on this list at seven. And then, oh, by the way, Daniel Jones makes an appearance at eight. Trevor Lawrence has already entered the conversation at nine. Geno Smith rounds out the top 10. Dak Prescott is all the way 12th on this list. Again, Daniel Jones is 8th. Dak Prescott is 12th. Brock Purdy right behind Dak. And Skylar Thompson rounds out this list. A third string quarterback at 14, just two spots away from Dak Prescott. Here is Dan Orlowski, ESPN's NFL analyst on SportsCenter, explaining himself. I made that list truly off of the performance by those guys this year and a little bit weighted on what they've been like the last six weeks as we go into the playoffs. I don't think it's that unfair. Do I believe that Dak is the 12th best quarterback when it comes to um, the career accomplishments? No. But right now, he's not playing up to his capability, Mm -hmm. and he's not playing good enough for them, if he plays that way, to win on the road Monday night. I have so many issues with this list, but where do you begin, Joe? I begin by acknowledging the fact that Orlovsky, while I love him, is a freak show in so many regards. (laughs) He enjoys Chick-fil-A, but only if it's the grilled nuggets. If you open up Skittles around him, he gets all worked up because he doesn't eat candy. He calls it poison. Very disciplined, very in shape. You and him, obviously, probably. I was going to say, I'm not going to knock him for the grilled nuggets. I actually do the same thing. Can't remember the last time I had a skill. Me too. I'm going to go to Wendy's and get a salad. (laughs) That sounds like a great idea. I can't wait to do it. Um, So I'm not going to take the list and allow it to get under my skin. I'm very stoic like that. I like to to keep the emotions in check. So I'm going to look at it like this. When he says that over the last six weeks, that has something to do with the waiting, 
Lamar Jackson hasn't played at all. So right. how the hell are you even on the list? That was problem number one for me. He's like, this is based on recent performance. You have the dude sitting at number six who hasn't even played and apparently ain't going to play against the Bengals. What are we doing there with Lamar Jackson? Right. Number 14, Skylar Thompson. Just leave that blank. You don't have to put Skylar Thompson <laughs> okay, on the Connor, list. Calm you, down. You, That's not fair. He's got to be there. He made the playoff. He made the postseason. And you know he, what? He look, made the postseason. He actually played in that must-win game against the Jets. He made it. Yeah, the, the Jets put up a hell of a fight roster. there. Great performance, as as expected and predicted from this show last week. It's, uh, I see what he's doing here. You know, he's he's it's it's tough because he lays out a few criteria with this. Prescott at 12. Prescott is not playing well right now. But if that matters so much, I don't understand why Brock Purdy's 13 because Brock Purdy's been fantastic since he stepped under center. He's made a lot of plays. Geno Smith getting the nod over Kirk Cousins. Daniel Jones over Trevor Lawrence. These are things that all stand out. I, I really think, honestly, Brady at seven, I don't think Brady's that great. I mean, he's quarterbacking an offense that's 25th in the NFL in scoring. And in 17 games this season, they've reached 30 points two times. What's so great about Brady? His career, yes. His season, Eh, it's not I that mean, his great. season's actually, I mean, statistically, I think it's been better than people realize. That team hasn't been good. But again, Dan did claim that he's trying to remove the quarterback from the team, which I think is an impossible task. I mean, for me, Jalen Hurts is sitting at number four on this list, frankly, because of his team. And again, yeah, it's like, I don't want to I don't want to seem like some Jalen hater, but I do think Jalen, I think we overrate him because like we act like we've seen him do things and that we've seen him do it all before. And I'm like, where is this huge body of work that we're all pointing to? It has been a phenomenal season for Jalen. But you're also if you're talking about just recency bias, that shoulder injury, I would imagine is a concern as we enter here a postseason for Jalen Hurts. So there's numerous things on this list that seem contradictory to me. Uh, there's this conversation around Dak. And listen, you do the thing if you're Dano, though, because he's, he's good at this gig, right? You do the thing. You take the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. It wouldn't matter who that guy is, frankly. You take the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. You make sure you put him outside the top 10. Bada bing, bada boom. We're all talking about it. The world lights on fire. We all go nuts. Okay. So that's part of probably why Dak is sitting at 12th on this list. But also there's this idea that Dak has just been playing terribly lately. And I'm not saying he's been playing great. He was horrendous. Uh, you know, in some of these games lately, absolutely. But he stunk also, in that Jacksonville game. I had money on the Cowboys in that game. I will not forget that game. He stunk in that game. He did. He stunk in that game. That was back on December 18th because he threw multiple interceptions in that game. Uh, you know, it, against the, the commanders, he was terrible. Uh, the Eagles, though... You know, now given the Eagles playing with Gardner Minshew, but he wasn't playing against the offense when they played the Eagles. Like, that was his last good game. That was back on Christmas Eve. That wasn't that long ago. That was only a couple games ago. So we act like Dak hasn't given us any good performances in the last 16 games or something, and it's just not completely true. Dak has not had a phenomenal season. I'm not out here trying to argue that Dak has had some unbelievable season. He ain't 12th on this list. I mean, it's it's certainly insulting to put him 12th on this list. Also, if we're talking just confidence level, like going into a postseason, then arguably, even though you are just arguing against Tom Brady being as high as seven, if we're talking confidence level and we're just talking quarterback and not the team, shouldn't you make an argument then that even Tom Brady could be higher than seven on this list? Sure. He's still got weapons in Tampa. He just doesn't have a great offensive line. And he's navigated it well, but I'm not about to sit here and try to figure out yet another way to make a pro case for Brady. That's his entire life. Everything's been a pro case for Brady. Everything's gone his way. So, you know what? 
seeing him at seven, I kind of like it. Let's knock him down a little bit. <laughs> I, 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 the Prescott thing is fascinating because where would you put him? Like, honestly, where would you put him I on this list? I would put Dak Prescott he's above Daniel his, Jones. I mean, I'm not doing that year in the him. NFL. He's in his seventh year in the NFL. He's behind guys like Jones and Lawrence because they're younger and they're showing good form right now. Prescott's showing lousy form, has a lousy track record in the playoffs, and he's been around for seven years. He also got the bag. Once you get paid, you're held to a different standard. Hertz hasn't gotten the bag. Herbert hasn't gotten the bag. Lamar hasn't gotten the bag. Daniel Jones, Trevor Lawrence, they haven't gotten the bag. Neither is Geno Smith. Right, but theoretically, that shouldn't play into this conversation. Now, Geno Smith hasn't gotten the bag yet. He certainly has had even more time than Dak has <laughs> to, to prove himself in the league, and he wasn't doing any of that until this season. Trevor Lawrence has been good here down the stretch. Trevor Lawrence wasn't great at the beginning of the season. Daniel Jones, I mean, I, I'm not doing that to Dak. I would put him a few notches above. I wouldn't put him in the top five by any means, but again, Dan, doing the brilliant thing and getting us to talk. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up, what's next for the Raiders and Derek Carr? We're going to get into that. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and listen to us on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Derek Carr officially bid his adieu to Las Vegas and the Raiders today. Fitz and Harry, that's the show that precedes our show. Well, really the show that precedes the show that precedes our show. It's on from 12 to 3 p.m. every single day here on ESPN Radio. And if you listen to that show, you know Jason Fitz is our resident Raiders nutcase here at ESPN Radio. So let's bring him in because I want to check on Fitz. Fitz also, by the way, is hosting the playoff preview with the pros, which airs Friday at midnight Eastern and Saturday at 6 a.m. Eastern. But I want to bring in our friend Jason Fitz because Fitz, I want to know, how are you feeling? Are you doing okay now that Derek Carr made it official on the gram? You know, it's weird, right? Like, Here's the thing. Derek Carr is going to have two or three games a year where you look at him and say, how's he in the NFL? And then he's going to have two or three games in the year where you say, how's he not an MVP candidate? Like Derek Carr has, has, has been, you know, up and down at times. But the crazy thing is, like, I lived through Jamarcus Russell, right? Like, I'd make the argument that in my lifetime, I'm 45. Like, of quarterbacks I've watched in my lifetime, I'd say Rich Gannon won for the Raiders. I'd say Derek Carr, too. So, like, I know that it hasn't necessarily, like, look, he's not Patrick Mahomes. But he's not Jamarcus, so, you know, I'm, a little, I'm, I'm scared to change. I'm scared. Fitz, as a Raider fan, I know the answer is yes, but at which point specifically did you come closest to giving up your fandom? Because that organization does not make it easy on any of you. Yeah, you know what? This year, I, I'll be honest, for all the weird years that I've lived through and all the other things that have gone on around this franchise, this might be the most disappointing year I've ever experienced as a Raiders fan. From the wow. expectations, from the way it's looked on the field, from the, the acquisition of Devontae. When you've got Devontae and Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs in, like if I'd gone in at the beginning of the year, told everybody in August, by the way, that Devontae would put up 1,400 yards and, 
you know, over a dozen touchdowns, be one of the best wide receivers in the league, and that Josh Jacobs would lead the league in rushing, and that Max Crosby would continue to be one of the most dominant players on the defensive side of the ball in the league. If I'd have told you that all that was happening in August, you would have thought it was a playoff team. And it's not just how the, it's not just that they've lost, it's how they've lost over and over and over again where they just folded. It was the opposite of what last year was. So last year was a dream where they won a bunch of games they shouldn't have, and this year was a nightmare. So I've just learned I can't have nice things. <laughs> well, I, I feel your pain there as a Miami Dolphins fan. Jason Fitz, host, of course, of Fitz and Harry right here on ESPN, uh, ESPN Radio Monday through Friday, 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern every day. So, Fitz, this Derek Carr situation is interesting to me because you're talking about a quarterback who signed an extension last year. It hasn't kicked in yet. It goes into effect within, I think, three days of the Super Bowl. So the Raiders have to make a decision on how they're going to handle this by February 15th, but they couldn't trade him if they were going to trade him until March, as I understand it, until the new league year begins. So then it's like in a situation where they would have to have a handshake deal with Derek Carr and whatever third team gets involved. Hey, buddy, you let that extension kick in with a no trade clause so Derek Carr would have all the power and we're going to trust you that you're still going to approve this trade in March when in fact we can actually make this trade do you think they have that kind of relationship left between Derek Carr and the Raiders no and I think the letter shows that right like if there is any shot because the, the hope would be if you're the Raiders you're hoping you could talk Derek Carr into extending it and say hey we'll find exactly where you want to go but why does Derek Carr need to help the Raiders like, that's the biggest – like, if you're Derek Carr, you know right now that your market is going to be bigger than, you know, the, the remaining money. Like, the, the reason he'd be tradable is in part because his contract is really amazing for whoever trades for him. Yeah, he makes, I think, $33, $34 million this coming year, and it goes up each year, but there's virtually no dead money left on it. So it's almost a freebie year-by-year, try-it-out-if-you-like-it contract. Like, it's great for whoever wants him, but if you're Derek Carr, you also know that right now – I mean, you're going into a market where we'll see what the quarterback market looks like, but you want to tell me that the Washington Commanders wouldn't have been better with Derek Carr this year, that the New York Jets wouldn't love to have Derek Carr, that the Colts wouldn't love to have Derek Carr, that Dennis Allen, who coached him in New Orleans, uh, is in New Orleans now, wouldn't love to have Derek Carr. I mean, you can go up and down the list of Falcons, wouldn't love to have Derek Carr. So he's in a situation where he's going to go somewhere where, frankly, I think, He's loved, and he's going to go somewhere where he gets paid. Like, Derek Carr is not the reason the Raiders have lost a, football, a bunch of football games. He's not taking this level to be Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes, but he is still so much better than he gets credit for being. He, he can win a Super Bowl with the right team. Fitz, I know you like to dabble in the dark arts, also known as sports betting. Wild card weekend upon us. The clock is ticking. What's the lock this weekend? Yeah, by the way, when you talk about dabbling, like – uh, the, I had I, I I have to look at my open bet every time on Derek Carr's MVP. That one uh, that one still hits me, still hurts. Uh, no, the lock on this one uh, is the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals, by the way, are playing not only some of the most efficient offensive football in the league. Uh, they're playing against the Ravens that aren't going to have Lamar. And frankly, it, you know, this is there are two things on this. I like the I like uh, the Bengals and I like the points, both of them. Like I mean, for me, at the at the end of the day, with the Bengals, they're going to put up a ton of points all over the Ravens. I think the Bengals were holding back in that last game, and still the game wasn't as close as we thought it was going to be. Baltimore has no chance at manufacturing offense in this one. 
I think the Bengals are going to absolutely run away in that one. Also, I really like the Bills to run away from the Dolphins, obviously. Like, I'm just – I'm feasting on backup quarterbacks. Like, I think we need to, to realize this. Just because you're a playoff team doesn't mean you're a good team right now this year. And there are plenty of teams in the playoffs that I think are just going to get absolutely rammed over the course of the weekend. Fitz, why don't you just lay the double digits with the Niners as well and just make it a three-way parlay? Well, that's what I was just going to bring up. Does that still apply to the Niners, who is also on their third-string quarterback, like the Dolphins? Well, here's the thing with the Niners, though. When you've got, you know, when the other 52 are superheroes, you can get away with that quarterback not being as good. Like, there's a difference between Brock. Like, I don't love Brock Purdy. But I love the rest of that 49ers roster, top to bottom. Like, I'm, a, I'm not 100% convinced that Harry Douglas couldn't be their quarterback on, uh, over the weekend and still win that football game, right? Like, I, I think they've just sort of built it perfectly. They're, they're building a work of art there, not a football roster. So I'm all in on San Francisco being very good despite the third-string quarterback. So I do like the 49ers. Parlays make me nervous. And you know, you guys both know this, like, Parlays in general, just they always seem like a good idea when your buddy plays them. They don't seem like a good idea when you play them. The one thing I, I do think gives the, the Seahawks a little bit of a chance is I watched the Raiders put up 500 yards on this 49ers team, mostly by just willingly establishing somehow the run with Josh Jacobs. Kenneth Walker is a great running back. Not a good running back. He is a great running back. And I'm surprised more teams didn't see this coming in. I thought he was a sleeper in the draft. I think Kenneth Walker alone can keep this game a little close. But, yeah, that, that's, that's just – there's a lot of love for the 49ers, the way they built this thing. Fitz, on the way out here, because we're up against it, if I made you predict it way too early and I, I made you do it with one word, where does Derek Carr end up? Oh, um, that, God, that's hard. The Jets. Huge <laughs> oh. money with the Jets. <laughs> All right. Uh, not a bad prediction there. I like it. Jason Fitz. Host, of course, of Fitz and Harry right here on ESPN Radio Plus. He's hosting the playoff preview with the pros, airing Friday at midnight Eastern and Saturday at 6 a.m. Eastern. Fitz, thanks so much for hanging out with us. You guys are the best. Congrats on the show. Love y'all. Let me jump in real quick. Imagine what it would take for a human being to spend nine years with the Raiders only to go join the Jets. Like, wouldn't you have had enough dysfunction that you'd want to go? So I'd rather go to Pittsburgh and back up Kenny Pickett and just be a part of something that's moving in the right direction than go from the Raiders to the Jets. There's no scenario where Derek Carr would rather be a backup anywhere. But I do agree that if I'm Derek Carr, I'm looking for stability at this point in my career because it is not something that he had by any means the entire nine years that he was with the Raiders. So that would be of utmost importance to me. It ain't going to be easy because all of these takers that we're talking about, not necessarily the best organizations, which is why they have problems at quarterback to begin with. But that's certainly a consideration of your Derek. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. 
With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We were talking a little earlier in the show, and you can always check out the podcast on the ESPN app. We were talking earlier in the show about the thing that Dan Orlovsky said. And he did the thing. He released the list. He said the things today, and we've all gone nuts over it, and we've been talking about it all show long. If you missed that, check out the podcast. Well, Keyshawn Johnson also kind of said a thing, right, Joe? And this is what you do when you're a pro's pro. Keyshawn Johnson, he said the thing about Tom Brady this morning on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. Here's Key. I think he walks off and he hugs whoever's there, his family, and he sheds a tear and he ra- raises his ball cap and waves out the tunnel. I think Monday night will be the last of Tom Brady in the National Football League, for real this time. So Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the Dallas Cowboys at home in Tampa on Monday night. Keyshawn Johnson thinks – that's going to be a wrap for Brady's career, which means he also thinks that the Cowboys are, of course, going to win that game. I'm not sure that's a given, Joe, but assuming that he's right, do you think Brady is hanging it up? No. I have no reason to believe that. Why? And that's no disrespect to Key. I value his opinion. You can be on opposite sides of this. But what makes us think that this is going to be the end? A guy like that doesn't want to go out like this. No way, shape, or form. Guy like this wants to go out on top. The problem is he had that opportunity after beating Kansas City. He could have gone out on top, and he said, no, 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 I'm healthy, I want to keep playing, I'm going to come back. So he came back last year, and he threw for over 5,000 yards, I believe, led the league in passing, went to the playoffs, got knocked out, but was still on top of his game. So he could have left the game. Maybe he doesn't win a Super Bowl, but he looks fantastic. No one can say he hung on too long. Then he came back this year. We saw what it did to his family life. We see that the only reason they're really in the playoffs is they play in a bad division, but he's here in the postseason. I don't see him making a deep run. Maybe he gets past the the Cowboys on Monday night, but ultimately I think he's going to want to leave Tampa Bay and take one last shot with somebody else because in his mind, he's in good shape. You made the point. He's put up good enough numbers this year to make you think he's not washed. So mm-hmm. I think he's going to take one more go at it. What do you think? He's had a better season than people think when you pull the statistics. I get uncomfortable when people mention the family life thing because I don't know what how much of that obviously was really him coming back football related. There were all the rumors out there, though, that maybe that had something to do with it, the commitment to the game. I don't know really why he came back other than to win Super Bowls. I feel like for if you're Tom Brady, if you've got seven rings, then going out on top means you have have to go out after a ring but it seems like an unrealistic expectation it was unrealistic coming off of last season it's unrealistic far less unrealistic coming off of this season at least we presume unless you have the Bucks winning the Super Bowl I actually did before the season have the Bucks in the Super Bowl I would like to amend that prediction at this point because of the way that Tampa has played and that again not all on Brady by any means he clearly has something left in the tank but he needs the right team around him in order to complete that goal going into what will be 46 years old for him if we're talking about him playing next season I actually don't know if Key is wrong, I really don't know how to read this thing because I don't know what's inside Tom Brady's head. I know a lot of people think, oh, he's going to go to Las Vegas. And I'm thinking, why would you want anything to do 
with that division? And, and why do you want to walk into that team with that organization? I don't fully get it. I don't fully understand the attraction there. I'm not even fully convinced that he leaves Tampa, but I also don't even know if I believe in Todd Bowles as a head coach. I mean, there's a lot of questions here with Tom Brady. Some people have him going out back. We always have this idea like he wants to go to San Francisco. He wants to go back out west, and certainly that hasn't panned out in the past. I don't know what makes Tom Brady tick at the end of the day, other than playing football and competing, but in terms of where he wants to be doing that and what really is of the utmost importance to him. I clearly can't relate to the dude. If I'm 45 years old, I'm taking hundreds of millions of dollars for that television contract and I'm enjoying my life on some mega yacht somewhere in the off season. I'm probably not out there putting my body through that anymore. You're a lawyer. What piece of evidence do we have? Any piece of evidence at all that would lead us to believe this is not, this is the end of the line for Brady. I mean, I guess we don't have any, but I don't think we nothing. have any that suggests that it's not either. I mean, we, we have nothing either way. He, he really hasn't given us much of an indication. I mean, I mean he made have it clear some he wasn't retiring guys. this season because there were some of those rumors out there when things got real ugly early in the season for the Bucs. He made it real clear he wasn't going anywhere this season, but he hasn't really given us much of an indication about the future. I mean, if he was on his way out, it almost feels like you'd be getting the hints. Like, like Rodgers is dropping the hints. Now, Rodgers is doing that for attention. Oh, we have no idea. Yeah, I, mean, I know. He says it every year. But you... And he's going to just keep dropping hints to us every year. But you figure a guy's going to at least want to go out, and if he realizes this is the end of the line and this is might possibly the last game, I'm not saying you, you – wouldn't you want to use that to rally the guys around you? Like, it's been a tough season in Tampa. He's a master motivator. He's all about mindset. If this was it, you bring the guys together. You tell them, this is the last ride. Let's get up one last time. And you win against Dallas. Now, all of a sudden, you look to Philadelphia or whoever it's going to be. And then you start looking to the next opponent. Before you know it, you put a run together like you put together a couple years ago. But if you're, not, if you're planning on retiring, you're not saying anything about it. And you're keeping it close to the vest. I can respect that as well. I just don't see where he gets any value in that versus at least trying to use it as motivation for his team because you know he's not just trying to get to the end of the season he wants to win he wants to win it's also entirely possible he hasn't made a decision on that front he clearly struggled with making the decision this past season and off season so maybe he just hasn't yet made a decision and sort of wants to see I how this off season pans out, out and how he feels about himself I think he plans out his meals like 300 days in advance and I'm not kidding I, I don't I, I remember true. hearing something about how he has like his year scripted out in advance so he can stay disciplined and regimented if that's even close to true, he probably knows what he wants to do this offseason and next season. He waffled back and forth last season, that's for sure. Uh, this season, Tom Brady has 4,694 yards, 25 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, a 66.8% completion percentage, 52.6 QBR, and 90.7 quarterback rating this season. I mean, it ain't a bad season for a 45-year-old quarterback. And one who, by the way, has had major O-line problems the entire season. But Tom Brady may not be the only quarterback on the move after this season. There may be a lot of quarterbacks on the move after this season. Is Daniel Jones going to be back with the Giants after this season? I am fascinated by that one probably more than the Lamar Jackson situation because Jones has not performed anywhere near expectation prior to this season. And it's clear that he's more capable than we ever thought he was. He was just part of an awful organization. 
Joe Judge was a lousy head coach. Mm-hmm. David Gettleman was a terrible general manager. They put the kid in an awful spot, and they got awful results. You bring in a smart head coach like Brian Dable, now all of a sudden the kid's producing. And they still don't have that talented of a roster. Kenny mm-hmm. Galladay is making a ton of money, and he's barely playing. Imagine with a couple seasons what they could build this up to. So if I'm the Giants, I'm probably considering making an offer here. Maybe it's along the lines of a Kirk Cousins sort of thing. It's low on years, but it's high on money, and everyone's kind of happy because if it fizzles out, you can get out of it quicker than some of the other deals. Exactly what I'm doing if I'm the New York Giants, and I'm giving him more of an opportunity. I think he earned that this season, and like you mentioned, in this system. Uh, What about Geno Smith? Geno Smith, another quarterback that has a huge, long resume of not good, and then all of a sudden, very good in Seattle, or not very good here down the stretch, but certainly still a good season overall. I mean, how do you move on from him? Like, how do you move on? I think that they figured he beat out Drew Locke, and maybe he's going to be a stopgap in a year where they lose a bunch of games and then draft a quarterback, but they won a bunch of games, and now they're going to the playoffs. Who knows if anyone's going to be available? Maybe you can kick the tires on someone else. I don't think Geno Smith's going to require $40 million a year to keep, but I think that maybe everyone's kind of happy with what they've got up there. I think a lot of it comes down to what Pete Carroll's future is. If Pete's looking to wrap it up in a couple years, I don't think he wants a rebuilding project. If Pete's looking to stay on long-term, you can roll with a, with a rookie quarterback and you can let Geno go, but that would be very odd given how well Geno Smith played if the Seahawks would just go in a completely different direction because they don't have a plan B right now. Yeah, the Seahawks have the fifth pick in the draft because – of the Denver Broncos and that trade with Russell Wilson, which is certainly advantage Seattle, at least for now. But I'm with you. I can't really imagine a 70-year-old Pete Carroll wanting to go through the rebuild of that when he's already got Geno Smith in hand and Geno Smith fits that system and has had, by all accounts, a pretty good season. What about Ryan Tannehill? Let me throw oh, one at you that not, not many people are talking about. His contract is easy to here. move after this season. Get him out of here. Just, just out of here. Out of here. He's not that Out of bad. here. They've had a lot of success. Of, they're always the number one seed with Ryan Tannehill. I mean, they're the number about? one seed because of Mike Vrabel and the way he coaches that team. Tannehill showed you everything you needed to know about him in two instances in his career. One was last year in the playoff game where they were the number one seed off a of bye hosting Cincinnati. And on the first play of the game, he threw an interception and then was a deer in headlights for the remaining 59 minutes of that game. He was awful in that game. You can't have a bye and be the number one overall seed and have a franchise quarterback who plays like that. The other time was in that game against Kansas City, another AFC, or this was an AFC championship game appearance, where they got up early and then the Chiefs came storming back took the lead, and the Tennessee Titans had to abandon the running game. And they said, look, Tanhill, this one's on you. We can't lean on Henry, and he wasn't able to do it. Not even right. close. Well, and he's not going to be that type of quarterback. He's a play-action quarterback. you got to have the help in the backfield. The thing is, though, the Titans have that. Derrick Henry's window apparently is still open right now. You don't have time. That guy's a freak. You don't have time to develop Malik Willis, right? Like, what do you do? That, I think, is an interesting landing spot for maybe like a Derrick Carr that we're not considering or whatever other quarterbacks end up out there on the move one more for you Sam Darnold does he stay in Carolina did he play himself into a starter role not into a starter role see that's the key part does he stay in Carolina maybe as a backup but not as a starter Carolina they the the owner of that franchise has been desperately trying to get that team on track he spent a ton of money it was a big swing and a miss on Matt Rule it didn't work with Darnold it didn't work with Baker Mayfield they have got to figure something out because they have a defense 
They've got a team that can play defense. They got to get the right coach in there, and they got to figure out the quarterback position. And if it's going to be a rookie, that's fine, but it's not going to be Darnold. He just didn't do enough. I think we've seen enough of his career to realize he's going to be a journeyman backup that steps in on occasion in the starting role. Okay, I lied about one more. This is the final one because we're up against it. Is Baker Mayfield going to be a starting quarterback somewhere next season? not unless there's an injury. I don't think someone's signing him to be the starter. We've seen enough. He's been on three Maybe teams in the last in two Los years. Los Angeles is the backup. That could be possible. That's a decent insurance policy. Yeah, he might like it there. You know, he yeah. needs to rebuild himself. He was going to try that in Carolina. It didn't work. He's got to get a spot where he can just rebuild the image a little bit and take the next step in his progression. He already started to do that with the Rams, and certainly Matthew Stafford appears like he is yeah. at a point in his career where he's injury prone. So maybe that's the spot for him. Joe Amber's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up, we want to hear from you. This is the time that we do caller roulette. We're still going to do caller roulette coming up next even though you're still going to get 30 more minutes of joe and amber in the nine o'clock hour but we're going to hear from you give us a call give us your hottest take your best sports take you can ask joe fortenbaugh for dating advice anything you want here triple eight say espn 888-729-3776 join the conversation next joe and amber joe and amber the podcast When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your chance to join the conversation here on Joe and Amber. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh here with you. Give us a call. We want to hear from you. Whatever your hot take is in sports, questions, whatever you want to talk to us about, sports-related mostly, maybe a little love life sprinkled in, whatever. We'll take it all. Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. This is your chance to get your voice heard. But first, the thing we like to do on this show is earn you some money, okay? And especially pizza money, because we all like pizza, and you need money to buy pizza. It's just how the world works. Let's go ahead and do it, Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Pizza money, wagers we like but don't love. That's why we call it pizza money. Small wagers like the price of a pizza. Pizza wager number two, we're going to go under 225 points in the Portland Trailblazers Cleveland Cavaliers matchup. I might be on the wrong side of this one. I'm going to be completely honest because this was sitting at about 221 an hour ago and it's moved up close to 5.6 since. Two factors, in my opinion, that you really have to like when you're betting under. Does your team play good defense? Cavaliers, yes. Number one in the NBA in defensive efficiency, allowing 107 points per game on the road this season. That is number one in the NBA. In addition, what kind of pace do you play at? Are you frenetic or do you take your time? The Cavs are methodical, 30th in pace. Portland as well likes to take their time getting up and down the court relative to expectation and league average. They are 24th in pace. We're going to go under 225 points between the Blazers and the Cavaliers. Pizza money number two. And that is how it is done. That is how you make that money, honey. So we do that a few times every single show to try to earn you some pizza money here on Joe and Amber. Let's go ahead. And it is time to hear from you. Let's hit caller roulette. 13 black odd. No winner. Spin the wheel. Make a deal. 
It's a game of chance. Let's play Call a Roulette with Joe and Amber. Let's do it. Let's play it. Triple eight, say ESPN. That's the number to get in touch with us. Let's spin the wheel. AJ, AJ is in Chicago. AJ is hitting us up on the Dr. Pepper call in line. AJ, what do you have for us? Hello. How you guys doing? We're good, thanks. I would like to know if uh, if Bill Belichick and the Patriots are going to hire Cliff Kingsbury as their new OC and revive Mac Jones' career. Why? And why would you be confident that that would do anything to revive Mac Jones' career? Uh, Joe? I know that you are one who ends up very high on Cliff Kingsbury and thinks that he should be the next coach of everything. I don't really get it with Kingsbury. He hasn't been <laughs> successful anywhere. And for you some are reason, such a people... Kingsbury detractor, but uh, frankly, you're right. I don't, he keeps failing his way into better and better and better gigs. Like if he goes and wins, I'll go ahead and take back what I've said, but he inherited a pretty good Texas tech team. And while he was there, he didn't do better than Tommy Tuberville did. He didn't do better than Mike Leach did. He actually took a pretty good program and made them worse. They were worse off when he left than when he got there. And people forget he had Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. Mm -hmm. He couldn't even win any bowl games with the guy. So he goes into the pros. He's got a pretty good roster. He never does anything, never showed any improvement, never showed the ability to outcoach the guy on the other side of the field. Why would you want him as your offensive coordinator? I would look at Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien used to work in New England. Bill O'Brien was the head coach of the Houston Texans. Then he went to Alabama, where he's the offensive coordinator. I'd look to bring back O'Brien, someone who's been around the pro level and the college level and knows how to develop. We laughed at O'Brien in Houston, but let's be honest, Houston's a dumpster fire. O'Brien used to get them to the playoffs. That's true. And a coach who's actually coached offense. So that is something that Bill Belichick should probably look into. The way to get in touch with us, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Let's spin the wheel. J.D., J.D., you are up. J.D. is in Indiana. What do you have for us? Yes, what I want to know, I'm, I'm the Purdue Boilermakers' number one fan, and why don't they, the, the national media give more love to Purdue We've been number one in the nation for two years straight, and, and I just want to know why don't the Boilermakers get more love? Joe Formbaugh, why don't you give the Boilermakers more love? Well, it's the Big Ten, and for some reason the Big Ten always gets a ton of hype, but sometimes they really struggle to end up delivering down the road. Uh, Boilermakers have a good team this year. We've seen the rankings. We know that the big dude, Zach Eady is uh, one of your favorites to go ahead and win College Basketball Player of the Year. It's early, though. Like, you're not going to get a lot of love from the public this time of year because people are barely making the transition off football to anything else. College hoops is a very specific breed. Those who are diehards, God bless you. But for a lot of people, they don't even know who the top five teams in the country are right now. They have do no it, idea that Kentucky's a dumpster fire. Yeah, do it in March, Boilermakers, right. and then we can talk. One more real quick here. Let's just get to it. Lucas is in Oklahoma. Lucas, you're up against it. You got 30 seconds. What do you have for us? San Diego Padres are going to win the World Series next year. I am confident. Lots of people like to talk about the Mets, the Dodgers. There's no way anyone could beat this lineup, and the pitching is going to come through. That's what I think. I like it, Lucas. Fun team. 
Thanks for getting your take in there. That is how it is done. Uh, a nice dismount for Lucas. Hey, we'll take it here on Joe and Amber. If you just want to call and that's your portion of the show to make it your show, the world needs to hear from you. The world also needs to hear more from us. Don't you think, Joe? I think we should hang out for another 30 minutes here on air. A little yes, ma'am. bonus 30 minutes of Joe and Amber coming your way next. Joe and Amber, the podcast. A big old treat for you, America. You get 30 more minutes of Joe and Amber here on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. So you get an extra 30 of us before we take you up to NBA action. And Joe, I wanted to talk about something that frankly I've wanted to talk about since last week. And that's the story regarding Dana White. I was frustrated because nobody seemed to be really talking about this. And this is a thing with Dana White where he appears pretty untouchable when it comes to his job security. And even though his sport is fairly mainstream now, even when you consider his television deal with partners like us, he kind of functions in a way that no other commissioner in any other sport functions. And this video that came to light after New Year's Eve, where he gets into a physical altercation with his wife in Cabo, Mexico, and the video gets out there from TMZ, and he is seen on the video slapping his wife. She is also seen on the video slapping him. She slaps him first on the video. He retaliates. He slaps her multiple times in the video. It's an ugly, ugly video and obviously a terrible situation. And when I first watched this video and just the lack of conversation around it, frankly, I was taken aback and horrified because there is no chance. And I understand there's going to be people out there, you know, well, she slaps him first and, and she should not be doing that either. And certainly women can be charged with domestic violence, just like men can be. And neither of these parties are going to be charged stemming from this incident. This is a couple that's been married for 27 years and has three children together, but they get to a physical altercation in a public setting that is caught on video. And if this was Roger Goodell or Adam Silver or the commissioner of any of these other major sports, there is 0.00 chance, Joe, that we wouldn't be talking about it from the moment that video is released. And frankly, there's zero chance any of those men would retain their power in a similar situation. It's an ugly video. His wife slaps him. You can see in the video, she slaps him. Again, no justification for that. His face barely moves. He goes after her and her whole body reacts and she's trying to get away from him because obviously there is a gross disparity there in strength. I have just been surprised at the lack of coverage and now we are actually getting some when it comes to Well, what do you think the reason is for that? Do you think it's because of the partnerships? Do you think that UFC isn't as mainstream as the NBA or the NFL, the other uh, examples you cited? No, because we have partnerships with the NFL, and I don't think there's any chance in heck that Roger Goodell does this and that we're not all talking about it wall to wall. I think it's because of the world of combat sports, and they kind of function in this way. Dana White has always functioned in this way. You know, there's criticisms of Dana White, underpaying his fighters, the way he treats his athletes, that sort of stuff. He kind of flies all above that because he's all powerful in that world. And then also, it's just a different world. And I think people think it's a different type of sports fan. And frankly, 
really, I think in that regard, you're not giving enough credit to the people who do like combat sports. Because I think that you can both simultaneously enjoy people who agree to fight inside an octagon and do it as a sport. I think you can enjoy watching that sport and also not enjoy a husband and wife getting into a physical altercation on a video at a nightclub that nobody is discussing. Like, I think those two things can coexist in that world. I don't know if fight fans get enough credit. Absolutely. It, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not at all trying to defend him here. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of the question you're asking as to why there's not more coverage in the situation you propose with the hypothetical of commissioners of other leagues. Who do they answer to? Like they have to answer to the owners, right? And those owners would have to act on that quickly. Who does white answer to? Very few people. And that's the problem. And, you know, and, and so, or may, or seemingly so it's a problem. Right. And so you have like the California legislative women's caucus. They wrote an open letter to Emmanuel and endeavor calling for Dana white to be replaced as UFC president. That's really what you would have to happen here is you'd have to have endeavor actually step in and do something. It's a huge ask because again, just kind of the way that that world is structured is a strange world. And frankly, it shouldn't take like the women's caucus writing, um, in order for there to be this this outrage or order for there to be this cry, it would come anyways in, in typically how these other sports operate. So it's more the lack of conversation, frankly, than even the lack of punishment that has surprised me. But now we have, in recent days, gotten some conversation about this incident. So Dana White himself addressed it. Here is the UFC president at a press conference about that video in Cabo. What should the repercussions be? You tell me. I take 30 days off. How, how does that hurt me? I mean, I told you guys when we were going through COVID, COVID could last 10 years. I could set it out and, you know what I mean? What, what, what would be the problem? The only, it's, it's much like COVID actually, you know, me leaving hurts the company, hurts my employees, hurts the fighters. doesn't hurt me. I could have left in 2016. You know what I mean? I don't know. What's the, do, do I need to reflect no, I don't need to reflect. The next morning when I woke up, you know what I mean? I, I, I've been against this. I've owned this. I, I'm telling you that I'm wrong. And, um, but listen, I mean, I've had, we've had plenty of discussions internally with Ari, ESPN. Every, nobody's happy. Nobody's happy about this, you know. Neither am I. Um, but it happened. And, and, and I have to deal with it. And, and what is my punishment? Here's my punishment. I got to walk around for however long I live. Is it 10.4 years or is it another 25 years? And I got to, and I, and I got to, this is, this is how I'm labeled now. My other punishment is that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, whether it be media, fighters, friends, acquaintances who had respect for me might not have respect for me now. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life that are way more of a punishment than what I take a 30 day, 60 day absence. That does, that's not a punishment to me. Well, he referenced the rest of his life there. Apparently Dana White's going to have to live forever or the UFC is not going to be able to exist because Dana White clearly thinks that the UFC is not going to be able to function without him. That became very clear to me in listening to that soundbite. Uh, that certainly didn't sound like a man who is willing to take any sort of leave of absence from his role or thinks that he should have to. He certainly thinks he's untouchable in terms of his job security. And frankly, the way that this has been treated so far, it appears that he might be right. 
one of the issues I think people are waiting for him to reconcile is that in 2014, in regards to the Ray Rice video that had come out, Ray Rice, the former Baltimore Ravens running back who was seen on video hitting his, uh, I believe it was his wife at the time, girlfriend, wife, something along those lines, I believe wife. Um, He had these quotes. There's one thing you never bounce back from, and that's putting your hands on a woman. Been that way in the UFC since we started here. You don't bounce back from putting your hands on a woman. So here we are now, eight years later. This video surfaces of White and his wife in Cabo. She hit, she hits him. He hits her. And now people look to these comments and they say, well, this is what you said eight years ago. How come you are not being held to the same standard? The standard that you apparently instituted. And I think that's one reason why people like yourself and people all over are trying to figure out why there isn't more conversation because he himself said that eight years ago and yet it doesn't seem like he plans on imposing any sort of punishment on himself whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, you know, I'm very proud to be the only woman in the lineup here at ESPN Radio. We need more women in sports radio, but I'm very proud to be the name, the one with the name show here. And because of that, of course, there's going to be subjects that I have a different vantage point in life. Maybe there's subjects that are more personal to me than others. This is a subject that is pretty personal to me, as unfortunately it is to many women. But I'm not. You're getting to know me and Joe. I'm not one who sits up here all the time beating my woman drum. I have, though, been a very, very very, very shocked at just the lack of conversation and coverage about a man that quite literally slaps the heck out of his wife on a public video. And again, yes, she slapped him first. By the way, when your wife slaps you first, that ain't okay either. Walk away. Walk away. Because if I lift my fist to you, it's going to hurt when I hit you. But if you lift yours to me, you could probably kill me. So you walk away. She should have walked away as well. Again, no justification when it comes to this situation, but the lack of conversation and it feels like he thinks he's untouchable and it feels like apparently he is untouchable. But when the guy at the very top of your sport doesn't seem to have a problem or he wants to retain all of his power in a situation like Joe just said that he said you can't ever bounce back from. Apparently you can bounce back from it if you're Dana White. Coming up next here, Luca and the Mavs taking LeBron and the Lakers later tonight. That's right here on ESPN Radio. We're going to get into that matchup next. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune into NBA action tonight as the Lakers host the Dallas Mavericks. Coverage begins at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on select ESPN radio station. So that's what we are taking you up till. Normally, Joe and Amber is on your airwaves 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. You got a little bonus 30 minutes from us because we thought we'd hang out with you until Mavs and Lakers gets going. And speaking of these Los Angeles Lakers, Joe, I mean, another season and no Anthony Davis once again, right? Another season, the Lakers waiting for AD to come back from injury and everything's on LeBron and it's the same old story, it feels like, year after year for a team where Anthony Davis was supposed to be available and allow LeBron to age gracefully. That apparently is not going according to plan. What is going according to plan is that we keep trying to win you some pizza money. Sometimes that goes better according to plan than others. You know, we started off rough, like 0-5 or something, but we really turned turned things around. We're like 5-1, of right, down the stretch here. So I feel good about the streak that we're on. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's earn you some pizza money. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. 
Pizza Money, bets we like that we don't love. Therefore, it's a smaller wager that we bring to you, the people. Speaking of that Lakers game, let's play the Lakers tonight, plus three over the Dallas Mavericks. Lakers have been good as of late. They've won five of six. Here's what they've scored in those five games. A buck 30, a buck one, a buck 21, 112, 130, 136, and then they just lost, scoring 109 against Denver on Monday. So plenty of time to rest and get ready for a Dallas team that has covered fewer spreads in the NBA than any team in the association this year. 14, 26, and 2 against the number. Dallas still trying to find its way on the defensive end. Last year they were fifth in defensive rating. This year they have fallen all the way to 23rd. It's going to be very interesting to see if they clean that up before the playoff push. Pizza money number three, final one of the night. Lakers plus three over the Mavericks. All right, an interesting bet there from Joe Fortenbaugh, but you mentioned there that the Lakers have been good as of late. They just had a five-game winning streak snapped by the Denver Nuggets on their last game out before they welcomed the Dallas Mavericks to town, but who were they playing in those games, right? I mean, yes, they have been good against the Hawks, and they've been good I mean, <clears> against Miami the Kings. Heat. <clears throat> well, and my Miami Heat. Um, the, yeah, well, um, so that's uh, – don't, don't worry, though. The Heat did beat them before that. Don't forget a couple games. The point is <laughs> that it doesn't feel like, even with the way that LeBron has been producing and that Lakers team has been producing here over the last six, it still doesn't feel like this Lakers team is going to get anything done without the help of Anthony Davis. And, oh, by the way, probably more than that, frankly. Russell Westbrook quietly has fit into a decent role there in Los Angeles. I don't know if that's being talked about enough, frankly, because, man, all we were doing was chastising him and talking about him when he wasn't fitting into the role. He probably isn't getting enough credit at this point. LeBron is doing everything that he can. The reality is, though, LeBron just had another birthday. LeBron is up there in his late 30s. Anthony Davis needs to be on that court, and that man cannot stay on that court, Joe. This is an egregious waste of all-time talent late in the career. Like, you try to squeeze every last ounce of greatness out of someone like LeBron James, and he has delivered year in and year out. He is putting up the numbers. It is incredible what he's doing at this stage of his career when you compare it to what Kobe or any other player that lasted this long, what their numbers looked like Mm -hmm. at this stage. It's a testament to how well he prepares. It's a testament, more importantly, to how well he takes care of his body. And here he is delivering, but the Lakers have done such a poor job of building around him. It doesn't matter if Anthony Davis comes back and he's healthy. It doesn't matter if Russell Westbrook's finally fitting in. They're not good enough. They're not good enough to compete in the West. They're not good enough to win four of seven against the upper tier teams, right? And then if somehow, some way they get there, four of seven against Boston, it's not happening. The injuries are just too frequent with Davis. Russell Westbrook is too inconsistent. It's a square peg in a round hole, and there's very little they can do at the trade deadline. The only question left is what James does in terms of where he plays the rest of the way out. Do you think he finishes his career as a Laker? I don't know. He keeps doing that thing where he says that he wants to play with Bronny and he's publicly stating it over and over again. He just did it again, what, a few days ago. I think that that has a lot to do with also helping Bronny's draft stock, frankly, because we're not talking about a player right now who's even a shoe in to get drafted in the NBA. But if your dad can help you out a little bit there, then why not try to help your boy out a little bit there? So I don't even know how much I fully believe that LeBron thinks that he is going to be able to play. I'm sure he would want to. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's lying. 
playing. I just, there's logistics there. Can LeBron even go wherever Bronny ends up getting drafted? If in fact, Bronny ends up getting drafted into the NBA, there's a lot of logistics there and factors that would have to fall into line. I think that with LeBron, he went to LA to sure win championships because it's always on the mind of somebody who's a competitor like him. But I think first and foremost, it was to live in LA and to embed himself in Hollywood and that community and everything he's doing from the production perspective with the movies and everything else. So I I don't think that he necessarily went to LA thinking this is the best place for me to win championships. Because frankly, if he had wanted to do that, there was better teams that he could have easily gone to. Maybe even staying on the Cavs would have ultimately been the better decision just in terms of how that team was situated to win immediately. With the Lakers, they didn't even know when he first got there if they were going to be able to build that team around him properly. Then they got Anthony Davis, and that certainly hasn't gone according to plan. If not for the bubble, if not for COVID, if not for all the time off that they got during that season because of COVID, it's hard to believe that they would have a championship. And I am a staunch defender of the bubble because obviously my Miami Heat were in the NBA Finals in the bubble. (laughs) So I'm not one who's like, oh, it doesn't count because there was a bubble. But the reality is that both LeBron and Anthony Davis were able to be healthy and play at a peak level because – they had a ton of time off during the season because of how weird and wonky that season got because of COVID. And oh, by the way, there was no travel involved either. And everything was happening in this strange environment. So they still won that championship. I think it's the only one that he's going to win in LA in his career, but I'm not sure that that is his primary focus at this point. So let's talk about tonight's game. Luka Doncic and the Mavericks taking on the Lakers. Lakers three-point underdog. Luka this season. 34 points per game. He leads the NBA, averaging about nine boards and close to nine assists. And he had that 60-20-10 triple-double a few weeks ago that even Wilt Chamberlain has never produced. He's number two in MVP voting right now, plus 275. That means a $100 investment returns 275 in profit. Nikola Jokic is your NBA MVP favorite at plus 260. Would you take Luka right now? Do you think he gets it done? I, I think I would take Luka. You know, it's interesting the way these teams are built, though. Like, they're both such heliocentric teams, meaning that... There's a $3 word. When, when Luka is not out there for the Mavs, they're 0-4 without him. With LeBron not out there, they're 5-5 five and five for the Lakers. But both of these teams are so dependent on those superstars. The thing that bothers me about the Lakers is they're not supposed to be constructed about like that, right? Like, the Dallas Mavericks are. It's, it's a problem as well, but we knew that that's how they were constructed. And so every night, Luca has to do superhuman things. LeBron is having to do that and being asked to do that at 38 years old. And yes, he just put up a 47 point performance on his 38th birthday, but that's not how it's supposed to go according to plan. I guess I'll go with the younger guy in this, in this regard and in this matchup. And I guess I'll say Luca gets it done. I mean, Jokic looking for three in a row. His team is seated number one in the West right now at 28 and 13. And you want to talk about splits on off the court. It doesn't get more dramatic than it does with Jokic. It also doesn't get more dramatic than on Joe and Amber. We love the drama. Why don't you come back and you can hear more drama tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern, same time soon. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.